You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great show for you guys playing tonight. Uh, all that good stuff, right? The traditional podcast info. I'm going to save you all that, okay? I'm going to save you two to three minutes of my normal rambling. We're going to get straight into the interview with Matt Miller. Uh, but before we do, like, subscribe, rate, and review. You know that's how your boy gets paid. We appreciate you guys for doing that. We also appreciate you guys for listening. And thanks again to Matt Miller for joining us. So there it is, short, sweet, under a minute and ten. Hope you enjoyed the intro music. At all, as always, we will see you next week with Mello, also from Stick to Football. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you Tuesday morning. Alrighty, folks. On today's episode of the NFL Mocks Podcast, as always, I do my best to bring you a very, very special guest. And I did not come short of delivering. Today, we are joined by Matt Miller. Matt is the co-host alongside Connor Rogers, who we had a couple episodes back of Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's uh, NFL Draft and NCAA-focused podcast. He's also the lead NFL Draft Analyst over there at Bleacher Report and has been so since 2010. We're going to talk a little bit about that with him today. And he's also the host of Miked Up on the airways of the beautiful Joplin, Missouri. Matt, please forgive me if I have too much juice on this podcast, my man. I pre-gamed this thing with a future playlist, so there's no, you know, there, I, I have nothing... Uh, you know, it may come off a little too energetic, but hey, thanks for joining us here on the NFL Mox podcast, my man. No, I love it, dude, because like you said, you just ran through like all my jobs and like I'm also a dad. So like I need your energy because it's six o'clock at night here. I've been building a damn Ikea desk for my girlfriend and I, I'm happy to be hiding in my basement talking football right now. All right, here's the deal. So I got all the juice. I just listened to 56 Nights, March Madness and <laughs> Wicked all back to back to back in about a 12 minute segment leading up into this, so I'm twitching and shaking like a stripper, so I hope you're ready for this, my man. I am, and I'm good, because I was feeling you out to see, like, just how, like, 
freely I could speak, but if you're talking about shaking like a hooker, I feel like I could probably say anything I want. So that's yeah, good. I mean, so here the rules on that is like no repetitive F-bombs, but, you know, if we, if we go to up to like five or six a piece, uh, maybe or no total, let's go total, five or six total, uh, you know, we won't break the bank. I don't really think my bosses listen to this, to be honest with you, uh, except for my main <laughs> editor. So I'm sure you know how that works um, in I your starting days. days. Yeah, yeah, I was about to Man. say in the starting days there at the Stick to uh, Football podcast, you guys might have been away, uh, get away with all that without producers whining and complaining. Right. We had a segment called Just the Tip for about a year, dude. So <laughs> and we were like, we got to do whatever we wanted. And then once the uh, – our numbers were killing it, and all the ad people started coming in, and they were like, "Hey guys, like it's time to yeah, you got to tone that clean down this up a little bit. bit. Yeah, let's tone that yeah, down just a tad." We had fun with it though. No, I bet. All right, so let's let the uh, audience get to know you a little bit, Matt, uh, with some background questions. I always like to do a good bit of research on my uh, guest. Let the audience really get to know you uh, before they get to know your hot takes. All right, so after graduating Missouri Southern University, excuse me, you coached two seasons over at Liberal High School. Uh, so what was Liberal all about, and uh, what made you want to start your journey uh, there in coaching, Matt? Man, so actually, I went to high school there. Uh, it's a really small town, born and raised. I, I grew up across the street from the elementary school. So um, it was hometown for me, and it actually wasn't my – official start into I guess it was into coaching I was scouting a little bit already by then yeah but um I had gone to uh, a semi-pro game in Oklahoma outside of Tulsa and it was actually evaluating a receiver because I was doing some stuff for the arena too at that time so the, the arena league had their league but then they had a developmental league and I was doing a lot of scouting and and recruitment for them so I go to watch this receiver play and I end up striking up a conversation with the head coach David Pitts of this of the Joplin team mm-hmm. and he was like hey like you're from liberal I just applied for the head coaching job there if I get it I want you to come be my offensive coordinator and I'm like all right cool like let's do it and he he got the job and uh the school board said that I could not be the offensive coordinator because I wasn't a teacher there but I ended up being the quarterback's coach uh the defensive backs coach JV offensive coordinator um but it was cool you know it was a a learning experience. I had no idea that I wanted to be a coach. It was just mm. kind of like, I wanted to be a scout and yeah. it was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll meet some people. This would be a good opportunity to network, to, to learn more about the game. And I, I think ultimately it did help because it's easy to sit in front of a screen and watch quarterbacks. It's a lot harder to go out there and coach them and to coach running backs and to, to have to coach safeties to say like, okay, I, I feel like I understand some of the, the problems that safeties go through, even though, this is a 1A high school team that was not any good. You still, like, you learn so much about technique and timing and, you know, just even, like, getting back into the X's and O's kinds of things. It, it was really beneficial for me. All right, so now your time at Liberal High School, was that kind of in and out or in exchange with your time also there uh, with the Joplin Crusaders? Uh, I've never heard of the Central Football League, but apparently <laughs> uh, they're, like, super mad dominant in there, like eight titles or some crap like that, and you helped win two of those in a row uh, in 2007 yeah. and 2008 as a DB's coach and also their head recruiting specialist. So I know you kind of already dipped into it a little bit. You already had kind of your uh, recruiting start or your scouting start, but is this really where you kind of got your feet wet there with the Crusaders? Yeah, it was. So those were kind of running concurrent. Like I yeah. coached in the fall and then, and then hit that up in, in the, the spring. spring. Yeah. And was doing the same thing. I was coaching quarterbacks. I was coaching DBs. And then I was like just recruiting my tail off. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of those things. So we didn't lose a game the two years I was there. So I had nothing to do with that. But it was a good learning experience. So uh, at the time, you know, doing the things I was for, you know, I, I think 
if I remember right, this was right before I did some stuff with the CFL. So mm-hmm. like all these little jobs kind of happened at the same time. And, and all the while, if I wasn't writing for a website, I had my own. Yeah, so that was always like a, you know, a thing that, you know, even back in high school, my, you know, my senior year of high school, I almost got detention because I printed off 200 pages of somebody's, you know, draft website and was like studying that shit. So it was always like, even when I had a real quote unquote job that wasn't football, I always was doing something on the side that was football related. All right. So that's what I was going to say. So all the while you're doing all this stuff with the high school team, you're helping out and recruiting and coaching with the Joplin Crusaders. All the while you're trying to create and build new era scouting, if I'm not correct, that kind of, you know, is created around 2006 or so or 2008. Am, am I right around there, Matt? What, what, what happened with New Era Scouting? How did that begin? And if I'm correct, that's kind of what led you uh, there with Bleacher Report. Am I wrong? It, it was. I don't remember the exact year. It was around 2006, I want to mm-hmm. say, that a lot of us had worked for a website called NFL Draft Blitz back in the day, like when I yeah. was in my late teens, early 20s, and had had a falling out with ownership there because, like, we weren't getting paid. We were getting promised we would be, like, you know, startup shit. So uh, a bunch of us decided like, hey, let's just do our own thing. So I branched off, started my own thing. And at first it was called NFL Draft Almanac. And reason being back in tough, the day of like tough. SEO, like kids nowadays you, don't even know what an almanac is, Matt. Sorry no, to cut you no off. Idea. I know, man. But back then, if you Googled NFL Draft, it would then be alphabetical. So yeah, we oh, wanted something with an A. That's next right? level. That's next level. So, so I wouldn't do it like, like that. So we went to NFL Draft Almanac. And it did okay. I eventually sold it, you know, for a couple grand, I think it was, and thought like, okay, it's time to grow up. I'm going to go like, I got this cool job in marketing. I'm going to go do this. And I hated it. I mean, I like wanted to kill myself. It was so bad. So decided that we were going to, that I was going to, you know, kind of resurface and start NFL Draft Blitz. And the idea with that, uh, or NFL, excuse me, I can't speak, newer scouting. Mm -hmm. The idea with that was to like work as a scouting service to teams, you know, to use my contacts in the CFL, the AFL and NFL. And we would work as a scouting service. And for the first year, we kind of did both of like, we're, you know, here it is for draft fans, but then also underneath that we're selling scouting services. I didn't have time to keep up with that. So it eventually really changed the, the idea and it became like a consumer friendly draft website, you know, mock drafts rankings. So the name didn't really fit like new era scouting. Yeah. Didn't fit what we were actually doing, but you're right. It is what ultimately when Bleacher Report posted that they had a, a job opening, that experience, having that portfolio and being the person who owned and ran a website, you know, it showed that I was self-sufficient. I was, you know, highly self-motivated. Those were the types of things that I really think helped me get that job at BR. Yeah, so you get that job at BR in 2010, but more importantly, in my mind, at least in your track and on your way uh, to where you are now. In 2009, you get on this little social media app called Twitter, and you create this Twitter tag or Twitter username of at NFL Draft Scout. Um, pretty, you know, particular name there. Not, I'm sure thousands of people have tried to uh, go get that one at least in the last 10 years. So my question is, uh, in 2009, let's go all the way back to Matt Miller in 2009. If I asked you that that name would actually mean something and people would, you know, that Twitter following would be all the way up to almost, you know, 126,000 or however however crazy it is at this point, uh, would you ever have imagined that 10 years ago in 2009 when you got on Twitter? No. And honestly, like it was, you know, like I said before, I worked in marketing. I was running uh, all the social media picks. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's the largest photography lab in the U.S., which means nothing to football fans, but. 
know, we were doing a hundred million dollars a year in sales and I was in charge of all the social media marketing. So I, I know like my Twitter handle has been a hot topic lately. A lot of people have uh, said that, you know, my success is only because I got on Twitter early and stole a good username. But it's I was ridiculous. thinking of it from like an SEO standpoint of if I join Twitter, I'm going to put in there that I like the NFL draft. I want, so I wanted a username that wasn't Matt Miller or wasn't Matt Miller Bleacher Report or whatever it might be. I wanted people who were looking for draft content to find me. So like, to me, it just like, that's common sense if you're starting a brand. So no, I would have never thought that, we, you know, we'd be here 10 years later with over 200,000 followers. Oh, my bad. You know, I mean, I no, no you. way. A shortage. That's all right. Yeah, I don't even I don't know what it's at right now. It fluctuates. So uh, people get pissed at me and they unfollow and they refollow. And so it's uh, no, I, I never in a million years thought that. I also never thought in 2009 that I would be, you know, the lead draft analyst at, at Bleacher Report either. So it's crazy how things happen. All right. Have you ever had any offers for NFL Draft Scout, the username? No, no, no. And I wouldn't. We joke about it a lot. And, right. and I said this on our radio show, you know, for like a hundred grand, I'd sell it. And then I was like, no, I wouldn't. That's a lie. I really wouldn't. But, you know, cause like that's synonymous. I feel like with me, you know, it's my Instagram handle. It's my, you know, it's everything like it's for 10 years. That's been how people find me. So, um, I, I think there's a lot of value in that and like, you know, getting in and, and, you know, I work for Bleacher Report and a lot of people know my name, but ju just the same. A lot of people also know that tag. So it's important yeah. to me. All right, so that are we, we're already up to 2010, right? Bleacher Report hires you, obviously, to be the lead NFL draft analyst. And here we are nine years later. You're now the most read author in the history of Bleacher Report. And you have, obviously, a dynamite podcast over there at Stick to Football. So as a young up-and-comer in this game, uh, just my quick question here is, uh, obviously, what's the biggest key to success, you think, so far, Matt? Man, I honestly, and I know people listening to this are going to, you know, think that I'm being hypocritical probably, but I honestly think it's just like be humble and be willing to work your ass off. Like mm -hmm. my success at Bleacher Report, I think it's owed a large part to, you know, people like Dave Finocchio, Dylan McNamara, Colin McCullough, Joe Yanarella, like those people seeing that I had talent that they wanted to develop. But I think it's also due to the fact that, you know, in the early days of Bleacher Report, I wrote every day, at least one article a day, you know, there would be, yeah. you know, a new news would break and they'd be like, we need somebody to cover this story. And I'd raise my hand, you know, like, Hey, I'll do it. You know, we need somebody to rank the top 1,000 players in the NFL. And okay. I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I did not say no to an assignment. And I took feedback, you know, it was like, because I didn't go to, to journalism school. I went to paramedic school. So it was like, guys, help me, you know, be a better writer. Help me be a better analyst. And, and so I think that was a big part of it. And one mistake I see a lot of young people make now is they think that you got to come in and like, it's like prison. You got to come in and fight the biggest guy, you know, and establish yourself. Yeah. And it's not like that because I'll tell you, I get asked probably once a week, either internally at BR or by my friends at, you know, ESPN, NFL network, sports illustrator, whatever. Hey, what do you think about this guy? And you know what? Like if that person has not been a, a good person to interact with, like I'm not going to recommend them. So yeah. I think a lot of it is like come in and be humble and be hungry and be that person that whatever your field is, if you're a writer, an analyst, whatever, like, you just don't say no to work. You know, you, you have to, you really got to bust your ass and prove yourself. All right. I didn't have this question written down in pre-show, but I, I got to ask it. Um, as someone who's trying to write and do a little bit of analyst or, you know, analysis and cover stuff, you know, broadcast wise, 
Um, what do you prefer more? I mean, you got your start as a writer, obviously, putting out bulk content, writing, like you said, thousand top 1,000 players, uh, you know, draft needs for 32 full teams, stuff like that, uh, stuff that really takes a lot of effort. And then now you've kind of translated your career or your career's translated itself, it almost seems like, Matt, into more of this personality, opinion-given type of role and broadcast type of role. Uh, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to be, you know, in your own thoughts writing as a journalist or do you prefer the opinion-giving, that type of stuff? Man, I think it's both. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself a writer. When people ask what I do for a living, I still say I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, it, it is what I like best. I think that if BR ever came down and they're like, hey, you're wasting your time writing. We just want you on the podcast. We just want you on camera. Do that. Like, I would find somewhere to write. It might not even be about football. Like, I would find somewhere to write. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that part of it. You know, I think it takes – and I don't mean this negatively, but, like, anybody can get on a microphone and talk. You know, like, it, it's – anybody these days can start a podcast. Like it, it takes a certain skill level and a certain credibility to be a, a writer at Bleacher Report. That's a really highly sought after job. and something I'm really proud of that, that I get to be one of those few people, especially to be a lead writer there. So I, I think that's like, my favorite thing is like sitting around with Melo and Connor doing the podcast. Like I look forward to Tuesday morning, Thursday night, Sunday night. I love it. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I think I'll always be a better writer than I am anything else. All right. Not that I'm a good one, but I mean, know. writing's kind of new to me. I always, I kind of, you know, I was always, I always did well in writing assignments all throughout school. You know, I went to business school and got my MBA and all that stuff. And all that was, was writing and, and business work assignments and stuff like that. So the idea of, you know, putting thought to paper and, put, and putting ideas and concepts to, into word and into print has always come kind of natural to me. But I was curious as to which one you preferred. But it sounds like, as you mentioned, you're 100% a writer. All right, so I did something, Matt. Uh, I called upon Mello, obviously your brother, uh, <laughs> to ask him the best questions to ask you here on the NFL Mox podcast. So just know this was all his idea. So if you want to I'm fight nervous. anybody, pick, it, pick a fight yeah. with him, all right? So you ready? He, yeah, I'm ready. All right, so the first question, and, uh, you know, he comes with the heat. How long was your first marriage, Matt Miller? <laughs> the question that everybody wants the answer to. I honestly don't remember. I was really young, um, and I'll be, uh, everyone knows I'm an open book. I, my daughter was born the summer before my senior year of high school. I, was, I became a dad really young. And um, I got full custody of her when she was really young. And so, I, you know, I, I had this idea that I had to settle down and get married. And it was the dumbest thing I ever did. I think legally it lasted nine months. So it was pretty quick. It wasn't like, you know, overnight or anything. Um, I, and Missouri doesn't let you annul marriages or they didn't Oof. back then. So, yeah. So that was on the that was on the books. <laughs> so was it long I, enough but, for her to get half? That's the real question. So I had nothing back then. This oh, was, was in like half, half a zero, zero. Let's roll. Now on to the next like, one. She got some bills, you oh, know, well then, like that's, that's it. She split the debts. So honestly, it sounds like exactly. you got out of there pretty clean. I mean, I, yeah, uh, I got out before things got good. All so. right. All right. All right. So second question he gave me uh, was, do you ever, Matt Miller, read the comments on draft 400? Uh, so th- that came out today and I told him, like, don't read that stuff, guys. Like, it'll just make you mad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do sometimes, but. Not, not very often, not as much as I used to. I always tell this story that early BR, we had a comment section and like, you could comment anonymously, like anybody could get in there and say whatever they wanted. And I was so young and like looking for, you know, affirmation that I read every comment to everything and like developed a steady drinking problem because it would be like, I'm going to read comments and pour like four fingers of bourbon to do that. So now 
you know, I know like they've been paying me for almost 10 years. Um, I, I know that I have to be at least decent at this job. So no more reading the comments for me. Yeah, I guess the goal at this point in my career is to get big enough to where haters hop in the comments. Um, you know, I guess you could look at it that way, uh, Matt. Um, so the next question I've got for you is I was told to ask your thoughts on Craig Gabriel. I have no idea who Craig Gabriel is. My research tells me he's a former Chicago Bears scout. What are your thoughts on Craig Gabriel? Uh, Greg. It's Greg, Greg Gabriel. Yeah, my bad. Um, Craig, Greg, who gives it? Yeah. So he and I used to have a really good relationship. And then last year he, he got on this uh, topic saying that, you know, draft guys like me don't have any sources in the NFL. And I had to remind him that he used to be one of mine. So mm. like, I don't know why people have this idea that like, just because you work at Bleacher Report, you don't have friends who also work in the NFL. Like, I mean, I've been going to the combine and, and you know, senior bowl for eight years. You, you think I don't have beers with the same people every year there? Like yeah. it's, it was just like a weird and it, I don't even know that it was directed at me, but it was directed to the draft community at large. And I'm always going to stand up to those guys because, you know, I, I am one of them. You know, even if I work for Bleach Report, I'm still a draft Nick. Like, I, I love the draft and I'm always going to, you know, step up on the table and, and throw hands if somebody's going to talk shit about the guys who are just trying to work hard and, you know, establish themselves. You know, none of us have time for the guys who are making up sources like that happens. We all know it. I think a lot of us even know some of the people that are doing it, but you know, don't, you, you can't look at somebody who's been out on the road for almost 10 years doing this and say, no, nah, that guy doesn't have any sources in the NFL. I mean, especially when like, everybody knows I'm a great guy to go have a beer with. So, come on. The, Matt Miller's got hands? <laughs> not, not anymore. But, oh, I mean, I would – well, I'd try, you know. <laughs> I mean – That's what Mello's for. That's, that's, all it's, <laughs> that's all it's about, man. Effort. You win, you win a lot with effort in life. That's what I find. It, maybe not the hands battle. Um, you know, skill, <laughs> skill is very, very important in the hands battle. Um, but effort might get you a long way. All right, last question here from Mello. Who drinks more beer, you or Mello? Oh, Mello does. Oh, it out. hands down. Um, yeah, it, we, I used to think that it was like neck and neck, you know, that we could probably put down the same amount. And then recently we have, you know, kind of tried to see who could drink more. I will say this. I can, I can handle shots better. Oh, you're a liquor like, man. Uh, yeah, but and like Mello drinks two things. He drinks Bud Light and Natty Light. And I'll go like all night like – you know, I mean, I'll drink, you know, a couple old fashions, then I'll drink some beer and then I'll do shots like I'm all over the place. It's like a buffet to me when we go out drinking. So I, I think that does change things. But, he, no, hands down, if he and I were going to both sit down with an 18 pack, like, yeah, he would have no problem beating me. All right, Matt, thanks for joining us. No draft questions for you. <laughs> I love it. This is great. No, nah, I'm just kidding. All right, let's get into those, man. <laughs> this is the time of the year where bullshit obviously is flying all which way. So as someone who is connected uh, to the important people, if you will, in the NFL circles as you are, um, you know, how do you cipher through the smoke and establish what is real and what's actually warranted to your opinion? What, how, how, do, how do you go through that, my man? So just like we were talking about, dude, like you, you develop relationships, you know, just like, you know, so think of the little stick to football universe. Like I start stick to football and I bring Connor in mm -hmm. and then we bring Mello in. And so like the three of us work together and we're friends. So if Connor tells me something, I'm going to believe it more than if just some guy that I don't know tells me it. And it's the same way about like you develop relationships. You know, that's what news breaking or using sources in an article is about. It's about, you know, it's not investigative journalism. It's creating friendships and relationships so that, you know, if I want to know who the Arizona Cardinals are going to draft at number one, you know, okay, Steve Kine might not tell me, but there might be someone in the organization that says, hey, we're doing a lot of work on this and not that. Or, you know, you yeah. can develop relationships with, you know, other teams who maybe have worked with those guys. You can develop relationships with coaches, you know, who will say, 
you know, I want us to take Nick Bosa, but we're doing all this work on Kyler Murray. You can develop relationships with with the player, with agents. You know, it's it's not it's not just as easy as, you know, I don't work for ESPN. I'm not Adam Schefter. I can't you know, I don't have all 32 owners on my phone, but it is about developing relationships and learning who to trust. You know, I think I famously got burned the year Matt Barkley was in the draft. I was at the combine and I was I was really young. I, what year was that? 2012, 2013. And so I was really young. I was really young in this business, and it was the 2013 draft, so I'm oh, at the Combine, and I'm standing in the lobby of the Omni Hotel, and the scout for the Cardinals at the time bumps into me, and he goes, I think we'll draft Matt Barkley at seven. Like, he's just excited. He's, like, giddy. They just watched him work out, and he's like, if he's there, we're going to draft him. And I was like, can I tweet that? And he's like, tweet it, man. So I do. It gets picked up by, like, Peter King and a bunch of other people. They send it out. Well, guess what? They didn't draft Matt Barkley at seven overall. No one did, you know? So it's like, you've got to learn who to trust, you know? And we're all going to get burned. You know, I've had a player before tell me, this team's going to draft me. They've promised me. And so you put that out there like, okay, X, X team's, you know, expected to draft Y player. And then it doesn't happen. And you can't fault the player. The team told him it was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I was about to so, say, it sounds like the player got burned too. Yeah, so you just got to be like, we're all going to get burned in this business. You're either going to miss on a player, which happens a lot, or you're going to get burnt by either bad information or information or information that changes. So it's just it's it's a tough world to live in when everybody has 2020 hindsight. All right. So speaking of bad information, what do you think the biggest lie in the streets right now is, Matt? Uh, what's the biggest smoke cloud uh, being spread right now? I think the biggest one is that the Giants don't like the quarterbacks yeah. because I, I think they do. I don't know that it's necessarily Dwayne Haskins. But they like the quarterbacks. They've done too much work on them. So I think that is right now, you know, this idea that they're not going to draft one. And it's going to be funny on draft night. If they don't take one at six, people are going to be, you know, up in arms. Like, you told us they liked the quarterbacks. Don't forget they have a pick at 17. You know, so they could either move back up from there. They could take a quarterback at 17 like Daniel Jones from Duke. So I think that's a big one. Um, you know, everyone wants to think that the Kyler Murray stuff smoked, but I don't think it is. Um I, th- I think they're going to take him, and I think the Niners are going to take Nick Bosa. And I think the Jets are probably going to take Josh Allen. Like, it kind of becomes, yeah. you know, just it's like dominoes after that first one falls. So I think the Giants are one of the more interesting teams. You know, the Raiders are kind of interesting right now. They're out there with Kyler Murray and, and Dwayne Haskins doing, you know, private workouts. And I know someone um, who's pretty well connected to that organization has said, like, you know, they – they're not committed to anybody out there or they weren't, you know, before this off season with bringing an AB and, and all the moves that they made. So, you know, if a, if a team wanted Derek Carr, I, I bet they would trade him and take a quarterback at four. So it's, uh, I, you know, they're like, you know, like right now where they're not really attached to anybody or anything. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know you guys at uh, stick to football, kind of like Devin white uh, there at four uh, at Oakland, you know, depending on what it, what the drafts plays out, right. how it plays out. Um, obviously, but um, back to Kyler Murray, uh, you guys over at Stick to Football have been all over him uh, going number one. I think, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have not necessarily broke it, but you guys were definitely the first kind of podcast I've at least heard. Uh, we're talking about it early, you know, as early as day one of the combine. Um, but I haven't necessarily heard your opinion on or your thoughts, at least, on the move that Steve Kime is making um, what did you think of Rosen coming out? And do you agree with the decision of, you know, kind of just cutting bait, you know, just to appease the new head coach you just went and hired? Yeah, man. So I liked Rosen. And the, the, like the hard thing about putting grades out is people just look at the number and they say, OK, like, all right, well, you had Rosen, you know, uh, I think I had him at eight overall. 
But what they don't see is that, like, there's a huge asterisk when it comes to Josh Rosen, and that was he needed to go to a situation in an environment where he felt loved. Like, more than anybody else in the world, Josh Rosen needed a hug, and Arizona was not where he wanted to go. So I, I think now, fast forward a year later, we don't know what that locker room's been like. You know, he's a player that uh, everyone has said, you know, in college rubs some people the wrong way. It would be easy to see that happening again in the pros, especially now that they really haven't squashed the talk of Kyler Murray. So, uh, you know, to – to the second point of your question, here's where I stand on this. If you're going to hire a head coach who just got fired by Texas Tech, his alma mater, because he couldn't win, you're going to hire that dude to be a head coach in the NFL, you sure as shit better get him whatever he wants to succeed. Because if not, like everybody gets fired, right? So if you're Steve Kime, who you know had a DUI last year and had to serve a suspension and has not drafted particularly well, and now you go hire a fired college coach to be a head coach in the NFL – I don't think you can force him into a situation and say, well, we traded up for Josh Rosen last year. Like if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm saying, y'all wanted me. Like you hired me. I had a job at USC. You came and got me. So to quote Bill Parcells, like don't ask me to cook the dinner and not let me shop for the groceries. Yeah. So if Cliff, if Cliff wants Kyler and he, he has since high school, like, I mean, he's been thirsting after Kyler for a long time. So I think you got to let him get the guy that he wants. No, I, I semi agree. I just think the whole looks bad, man. I don't know. I don't know the owner by name out there in Arizona, but if, if I'm the owner of a sports team and my general manager comes to me in 2018 and says, hey, you know, we're giving up some, some draft lottery or some draft assets to go up and get this future of our franchise. And then he turns around the next season and says, oh, not only are we firing that coach I brought to you to hire, um, not only are we trading the quarterback I gave up assets to go get, but we're going to hire uh, a guy who we all know the stat line. What is it, 38 and 43 there at Texas yep. Tech? We're going to go hire that guy. We're going to give him the reins here, even though he was only hired to be an offensive coordinator at uh, you know a Division One program. Nonetheless, it is a large program, but still, we're going to go make all those decisions. As an owner, man, it's just it's a bad look for me, um, which makes me ultimately question the decision. But from what you're telling me, this decision to move up for Kyler is not necessarily maybe Steve Kimes. It's to appease his head coach that he went out and made that drastic decision to go get. Yeah, I mean there. Yeah, but you know, like Steve Kime, the owner, Michael Bilbo, like they gotta, they gotta okay it. You know, like yeah. the, you make a decision like this, it's the whole organization is on board with it. Even if like, even if he's not your guy, if you're gonna allow it to happen, it, it happens under your watch. You know, yeah. so you're you're culpable for it. And I, I think that's where they're at right now. You know, the last thing I had heard about Arizona was that like the the plan is to take Kyler Murray, but in the next three weeks, ownership or the GM could get cold feet and, and it could, could fall apart. Right, things yeah. like that happen. All right, so Taylor Rapp. Uh, you know, a 4.71 to a 4.75 kind of range uh, in the 40 at his pro day. This was a guy most experts viewed as a first-round talent, and I've kind of read through your Twitter feed uh, the last couple of days, so I'm kind of setting you up here. Uh, what are your thoughts now, knowing that he didn't run so well, uh, about Taylor Rapp, the safety out of Washington, Matt Miller? Yeah, you know, so my thoughts on him don't necessarily change. Like, we knew he wasn't incredibly fast. I yeah. think when you look at Rapp, it's like his short area quickness is great. You know, he ran a, a sub-4 uh, short shuttle, which is fantastic. His three cone time was really good. So yeah, you know what he is, and I, I think that's the hard part right now. Is like you look at a guy who, okay, he he ran a four, you know, seven one four seven five at the combine. That would have been a hell of a lot slower. So it's you know you look at it that way and say, okay, we know he's not the fastest guy. It'll probably push him to the second round. But I really do think that. But man, that's how lucky is the team drafting at the top round two going to be? Like, this just feels like the, the damn Colts are going to be, like, sitting there at 34 and, like, oh, yeah, we'll take Taylor Rapp and put him with Malik Hooker. Yeah, that, that works for us really well. So he's still a great player. 
Um, I, I really, really like watching him. He's one of my favorite players to watch just because he's, he's so aggressive and, and he sells out so often and he's such a team first guy, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can understand how teams would look at that and say, hey, we can't let a four, seven guy be a first round pick of safety. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I saw everyone saw the stat by now on Twitter. I think it's the lowest or the slowest uh, 40 in a first round draft pick of safety is like four, six, six, I believe in the last yeah. like handful of years. So um, it is an outlier for sure. If he ends up uh, still remaining in the first round. So, all right. So my sources tell me that the combine is just really uh, an excuse for power and powerful and successful people in the football world to get together, have really expensive steaks, drink copious amounts of high priced whiskey and talk shop. Am I wrong or how do, or are they really there to actually evaluate guys at the underwear Olympics? What's going on in Indianapolis since you are an experienced veteran <laughs> at this point and cutting it up and rubbing elbows with the rich and powerful? It's both, honestly. Like, it's, you know, you're getting up at 7 a.m. to watch workouts or to get to weigh-ins, and then you're staying up till 3 or 4 a.m. You know, bars and indies stay up till 3, and there are some places that will stay up later than that if you uh, if you know the right people. So it's both. Um, the combine is super important for me, more for the relationship building, because, you know, we don't get access to the workouts in the media. You have to work for a team to get access. So, you know, I'm sitting in my hotel room watching the workouts on TV like everybody else. But, you know, then when the workouts are done, you you hit the town and, and work on those relationships so that, you know, you do get the right information when it's draft time. Can anybody hit the town and work on those relationships or do they got a uh, velvet rope security at these nice establishments? <laughs> What's going on there? Anybody can get into most of the places. There's sometimes, um, and I don't want to out any, any of the spots because then everybody would be pissed at me. Sometimes you have to know the right people to get into the right spots. Oh. But, um, yeah, but it's, you know, I think Mobile is the best spot at the Senior Bowl yeah. for I'll be there next anybody. Year. Like, for, like, you want to go down, like, sit in the stands, watch, take, you know, watch practices, and then, like, schmooze at night. You can do that. It's, it's the most friendly, open environment that there is. The combine is a little more exclusive, but man, it is like it is a great week of just everybody who works in the league there. All right, so you kind of hit on this next question I'm going to ask you. So we're just going to kind of scrap the first part. You kind of already told me what you think the Giants are going to do at six. You think they're going to ultimately take a quarterback. You think they've kind of been blowing smoke and throwing fluff on the names of the quarterbacks kind of to lead people astray from the idea that they're going to take one there at six. What do you do or what do you think they do there at 17 if they do, in fact, take a quarterback at six? Well, I think, you know, knowing Dave Gettleman's, you know, background, what he likes, you would think a D lineman would make a lot of sense. The edge rushers are probably all going to be gone by there. You know, maybe there's a chance Cleveland Farrell will be there. Uh, but I, I would look at someone like Christian Wilkins would be a really good fit for what they you know, seemingly want to do defensively. Um, if, if, you know, there's some way that one of the edges are there, it makes sense. Linebacker, I would think Devin Bush is gone, which would definitely fit with what he's done in the past. You know, like Dave Gettleman, for those who don't know, he does not draft corners. And he doesn't value them. Like, he doesn't draft safeties. He doesn't value them. You can see that with the Landon Collins trade. So, you know, Jeffrey Simmons Josh is Josh Norman as well, dating back to Carolina. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if if Jeffrey Simmons is there, if Christian Wilkins is there, those guys make sense. You know, we could also see them go quarterback and then go O-line, try to get someone like Andre Dillard, try to get someone like Cody Ford, you know, to, to bolster an O-line that, you know, looked a little bit better with Will Hernandez and with Nate Solder coming in. But they still need a decent amount of help up there. Yeah, for sure. All right, so this is an extremely D-line heavy 
draft class. Uh, where do you think it might stack up to the 2011 draft class, Matt? And I'll go ahead and name these off. These are all first-round draft picks from the 2011 draft class, all in the defensive line. Von Miller, Marcel Darius, Alden Smith, J.J. Watt, Nick Fairley, Robert Quinn, Adrian Claiborne, Cam Jordan, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Cam Hayward were all first-round picks. I don't think it's, you know, unreasonable to think we might see nine, ten defensive linemen go off the board in the first round here, Matt. Um, Do you think it has a chance to stack up? Let's say five, six years down the road, I just listed a whole lot of all-pros and pro bowlers. Does this draft class of defensive linemen have the chance to maybe stack up to what I believe is the best we've seen, at least in the last two decades, at the defensive line position? Yeah, I'm absolutely with you, dude. 2011 was special. I think 2011 is better in terms of like with Von Miller and J.J. Watt, you got two first ballot Hall Famers. Like those yeah. dudes are, like they're the the mold that you look at for an outside linebacker and a, a five technique defensive end. So as much as I love Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams and Josh Allen, um, it's just hard to like when you got Von Miller and J.J. Watt. And you know there were some other really good players in there. Alden Smith had he not, you know, had all his issues, looked like he was going to be an, a perennial All Pro. Mm-hmm. Marcel Darius, another guy, injuries forced him out. You know, that was a really good class. Ryan Kerrigan's had a good career. Um, it, it was a really good year. So I would take 2011 uh, just because of – and the dudes that came out in 2011 were all so pro-ready. Like, mm-hmm. even like, a, you know, Akima Ayers didn't go in the first round, but, like, was getting yeah. first-round grades. Like, you know, Jabal Sheard, like, there were so many good – Brooks Reed was in that class. Like, that that was just such a, a great – year that was just really a good draft overall you know if you go back and look at it so i, I think 2011 I'll, I'll give the the tip to that one but it, it is gonna be close because i think we'll see like a third of the draft a third of the first round excuse me be d-line or edge rushers this year yeah i think i mean me and my editor from uh nflmocks.com sarah bettinger had a uh you know a first round mock where we kind of traded picks i went odds he went even and i think we had seven edge rushers alone uh, go in the first round in that just based off of our big boards and I think you guys have probably repeated uh, something simpler or simple or similar excuse me there on your mock <laughs> draft Mondays uh, sorry I got a fat tongue uh, about 35 right. minutes in here all right so on the other hand we just compared defensive lines from draft cra- draft class previously uh, dang how would you compare this year's draft class uh, to say last year's let's jumble the 2018 quarterback draft class and the 2019 draft class together Who's your top five? I'll go ahead and give you mine. Uh, number one, I'll take Baker. Two, Darnold. Three, Kyler uh, Murray. Four, Josh Allen. Five, Haskins with Rosen wrapping it up there at six. How would you rank, uh, you know, last year's and this year's draft class of quarterbacks, Matt? Man, I like last year's a lot better. Like, yeah. a lot better. I, I think um, if you do it by draft order or if you do it by where we had them graded, I had Darnold, um, and then I had Allen, Rosen, and Baker tied actually so i like those guys a lot better um and and even now like we know there were some warts with guys right um but i have man i have worries about dwayne haskins you know being able to complete a deep ball being able to throw off rhythm you know he's in a really quarterback friendly system that hasn't produced nfl quarterbacks so there are some things that i i worry about with him i like kyler murray a lot if, so i would actually put it you know darnold uh baker josh allen josh rosen and then i would put kyler murray five dwayne haskins six hmm. No, that's fair. I mean, you, you, you gave up your biases first and then, and then gave me your list, and, and that's totally fair. Uh, very few people have done as much research, I'm sure, on this as you. So, Matt, I got a question. Uh, do you listen to 2000s R&B music? Um, I mean, I did at the time. I really don't All right, anymore. So, do you remember Usher's You Remind Me? 
Oh, hell I do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, that's all of my way of just asking you um, or, you know, telling you that we're about <laughs> to get into some player comps here. Um, and I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I'll start with the softball of all softballs and player comps. And that's Anthony Nelson from Iowa. And who's his player comp? You could probably guess it. Carl Nassib of the Tampa Bay Bucks, originally of Penn State. Uh, play styles are really similar here, Matt, obviously. But more importantly, they're both really tall white guys, and the networks beat that <laughs> shit up. All right, so on from the softball of player comps to the t-ball of player comps. Give me the Ed Oliver player comp. That's right. I'm giving you Aaron Donald. Talk about two guys that win with leverage. Matt Miller, I don't care about the weight concerns from the pro day. Drop six pounds from the NFL Combine. Both are dominant. One slightly more dominant than the other, but nonetheless, those are my two very, very easy player comps. The easiest that could be, I left all the player comps available for you. So show me how a professional does it, Matt. Give me your two player comp comparisons of this year's NFL draft man those are good I like those a lot um and we're in like comp season because we're doing uh NFL draft 400 right now and, and all 400 players get a, a player comp um I'll give you two that I, I worked on today um let me scroll down through my notes here because it's just a mess right now so Rashawn Gary no one can figure out what he is right he's six 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 Solomon Thomas you went Solomon Thomas I went Everson Griffin okay that's fair so, like Solomon Thomas, and I, I say this as a Niners fan, Solomon Thomas cannot rush the passer to save his no. life. Like he but doesn't have Sean Gary. I think Gary has the traits at least. So there like super high side. You want? Uh, I looked at Everson Griffin. Um, let me give you one more. I'll stay at D line because that's what I'm working on right now, or, or the edge group at least. Montez Sweat. You want to guess that at first? Uh, Montez Sweat. I've seen Leonard Floyd all over the place for this guy. Um, but you're not, you know, I don't think you're, you're an original type of guy. So let me think some more. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to stay there. Let's go there. Leonard Floyd. Who, who's your player comp? So I went Daniel Hunter. Oh, okay. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. You go not necessarily big name guys. You go off the wall. That's what I'm saying. You're an original type of guy. <laughs> Only like super, super draft heads would know that name. I'm assuming. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, you, I think with comparisons, like a lot of times people will get on us of like, no, this guy's one inch taller, you know, or something like that. It's like, they're not, they're not twins. Dude, they're stay out of my mentions, please. Right. If you're yeah. going to come at me with bro, he's one inch taller or his 40 time was a half a second slower or a half a 10th of a second slower. Um, please get out of my mentions. Yeah. Crazy. Isn't it? Oh, totally. You of all people, I was going to ask you about that. Why do you think you get so much heat on Twitter, Matt? What do you do uh, to get people so fired up? Because you of all of the draft Twitter, I believe, catch the most heat and the most flack. Is it because people know that you're going to respond? I think that's might what it most it most boils down to. I think so. I mean, I think it's a. I've had this conversation with my a lot of my friends before. I think the it's a combination of things. It's a combination of follower count you know mm -hmm. more people follow you more people are going to interact i think a lot of it too is like i feel like i'm one of the more interactive yeah. guys out there like you tweet some hate at mel kiper he ain't reading that shit like <laughs> mel doesn't have time to read that stuff you know and, and like you know daniel jeremiah is too nice to clap back like with me you might catch me on a bad day and you might get a little heat back at it so i think that that's some of it too um you know that people feel like you know i'm probably on the younger side of a lot of the you know, especially of any of the network guys. So I think some of that is like, they just feel, you know, I like that too. Like I want the, I want my readers to feel like they can engage with me and that I'm a person, you know, behind this Twitter account that's actually talking with them about things. So I think that goes both ways. Like I, I bet I get more positive interaction as well because like folks feel like they can actually talk to me. 
I got you. Hey, Matt, do you know that Adam Schefter guy? Yeah. All right. Can, next time you see him, next time you run into him, can you please ask him why he's blocked Brooks Austin on Twitter? Because I've never as so much as mentioned or tagged that guy in anything, and I never can. I'm only halfway caught up on NFL news. Because if you're blocked from Adam Schefter, you're missing out yeah. on a lot of breaking news. And I have no idea what I did to piss that guy off. But whatever you do, please tell him I am very, very sorry. Okay. I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to humble brag here. As soon as we're done, I'm going to text Adam Schefter and ask him to unblock you, okay? Dude, man. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. right. Anyways, so we're going to get this fixed. No, I appreciate that. Let's do 5 under 10, a little segment we always do with our guests here on the NFL Mocks podcast. Matt, I got five questions for you. Try to answer each one under 10 seconds. Whatever comes first to your head, uh, put it here on the podcast, Okay. Alrighty. All right, number one, favorite University of Texas football moment that isn't the Vince Young Rose Bowl. Go ahead. Oh, easy. Ricky Williams breaking the rushing record. Oh, that's funny. You asked me what mine was. It was the Michael Tra- Crabtree Texas Tech game. Oh. Um, oh. I'm going to hang up on you now. No, I was about to say I waited 42 minutes to break your heart into this, te- <laughs> this podcast. Um, anyways, but number two, the hill you will die on in this draft. Just a heads up, your boy Connor said Ed Oliver. The hill you'll die on, Matt Miller. Of course he did. I'm going to say Josh Jacobs. I don't give a fuck about 40 times for a 10 or 20-pound running back. That dude can play. All right. The next two are going to be a real test to see if you and I are going to be friends, Matt Miller. All right. Number three, fill in the blank. IPAs are blank. Overrated. Hell yes. All right. Number four, you're halfway there. Number four, Kobe or LeBron James? Kobe. Damn, man. 50%. 50%. I guess we can call you a half of a friend. Number five, last question in five under 10. The coolest thing you've ever done. P.S. This was my fiance's request for the last question in five under 10. So sorry, it's not a heavy hitter. Coolest thing you've ever done, Matt Miller. Oh, damn. Hold on. That's hard. I don't know. I'm going to be way over 10. I don't know. Um, I was at the Royals game where they won the wild card game. They beat the A's to get into the playoffs and the Royals had sucked my whole life. Um, so that moment was just amazing. Like how loud the stadium was grown men were crying, like hugging their sons. Like that was one of the coolest things I've ever, ever got to experience. I mean, when grown men cry, I bet you can guarantee you can bet your ass that it was a pretty damn cool day. All right. right, I mean, obviously, you know, my kids being born, I mean, those are, my girlfriend. those are all Things cookies, like that, man. But, those are all cookies. Right. We, you can give her those every other day um, when you're, you know, your fiance or your mother's mother of your children is listening. Um, but for now, we appreciate your answer of the Royals game. But Matt, I really, really appreciate you for joining us here on the NFL Mox podcast, my man. You bet, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No doubt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.